I could list you at least yeah. 10 girls in my grade who've cut off all their friends for their boyfriend. Yes. And in my mind, I'm thinking, what happens when y'all break up? One rule that I know a parent who had that I thought was great was you are more than welcome to go on a date with your boyfriend one night a weekend. And the other night is reserved for friends. Because I do worry about girls who whole, their whole world becomes their boyfriends. Hey, friends, and welcome to the Paula Ferris Show. I am your host, Paula Ferris, and this is the episode where we are answering your questions. Sissy Goff, the renowned therapist, and my teenage daughter, Caroline, are back to answer all your questions about how we can better connect with our moody teenage and tween daughters. And you had so many questions. The questions were about dating and sex clothing, how we can build resilience in our girls, the phones and social media, their mood swings and the hormones and the anxiety. And before we jump into this episode, I just want to say a big thank you to everyone who reached out after last week's episode first aired. So many of you said you're going to share this with mamas and papas who have teen and tween daughters. Allison said that she watched it with tears in her eyes. Jill said our daughters are going to need us in a new way. She said her kids have called her and needed her so much more, even if it's just what dog food to buy and the recipe for their favorite dish. Janelle said she was taking notes. Melissa says she was crying and laughing when she was listening to it. Jamie says her daughter, a freshman in college, three hours away, she says talks to her more now than she did when she was at home. But it was this message from a sweet woman named Carol. She left this voice memo for me on Instagram, had me in tears, and it gave me so much hope. I'm just going to play a little bit of it for you. Hi, sweet Paula. This is Carol. You and I have traded a couple of Instagram messages over our sweet dads. And I was just listening to your podcast on my way back to work from lunch. And I had to stop before I walked back into work and encourage you. I just got to the part where you broke down crying about Caroline and the years that you have left with her. And not only do I understand, I understand times three because I have three girls who are now 28, 25, and 22. But I have to encourage you with this. And that is not only will you and Caroline become best friends in her 20s and for the rest of your lives, and you will be thick as thieves, but she will need you more in the next five, six years than you could have ever possibly imagined. And it will send your heart soaring. So I just hope that encourages you. Oh my gosh. Did that ever encourage me? And it's making me cry all over again. Thank you so much, Carol, for sharing that, not just with me, but anybody who is listening and watching. By the way, if you're watching, I know you're going to see my awesome sweatshirt. It is a Def Leppard sweatshirt. I told you guys I would let you know where I got it from. And I purchased it from none other than Walmart in the juniors department. And before we jump in, I just want to say congrats to the winners of Savannah Guthrie's new book. Laura, Katie, Krista, Janice, and Celia, all winning an autographed copy of Mostly What God Does. And they won that because they are subscribed to my personal newsletter. If you're not getting it, make sure you are. You can subscribe at paulaferrisofficial.com. Okay, guys, are you all ready to jump in? We are ready to answer your questions. And by the way, we're going to do the same thing with teen and tween boys down the road because it has just resonated with you guys. You have loved talking about it. But without further ado, here's Sissy and Caroline answering all your questions. 
we had a ton of questions. And Caroline, I want you to jump in too. Sissy, you kind of mentioned it. Paul wants to know, what is the role of the parents during the teen years? Therapist, friend, rule enforcer, role model. And you kind of answered that already. What is what is the role? Well, I mean, obviously, I think boundaries are still important, although we want them to be widening with each year of their life. Their bedtime needs to get a little later. They need to have more privileges in terms of social media, all those things, so that when they move out, the difference is so minimal, they barely notice and don't hit the woo, we're finally free kind of thing. So I always think even being proactive in that and sitting down and kind of thinking through with each year, what are the privileges and responsibilities? But honestly, what kids say to me the most that drives them crazy with their parents as teenagers, Caroline, you might disagree or agree, is when their parents are trying to fix their problems, trying to fix situations. And so I think listener is one of the most important Mm. roles. And I would say two things. One, my favorite combination for parents of teenagers is empathy and questions. That sounds really hard. I can't imagine what that's like. I can't imagine what it's like to grow up, Caroline, as you were saying right now, like how hard it is in so many ways. Yeah. And then to say, what do you think would help? Or what do you want to do about that? Or even, you know, how can I support you? Just questions Mm. to help them learn to connect the dots because a lot of kids aren't like Caroline. And Mm. and I think a lot of anxious kids often don't want to problem solve and think for themselves and they can become really dependent on parents. And, and like we were talking about, resilience is so important. And so asking questions helps create more resilience. And if I ask the question, I mean, even Caroline, the fact that we've been asking you questions on this podcast that your mom keeps deferring to you says she believes you're capable of having great answers. And when we ask questions than I am, She's smarter and more to say that she's the teen and I'm the parent in the relationship. (laughs) Well, she she's very smart, but she's like, Mom, it's okay. You have street smarts. Yeah. So she's very mature, like beyond her beyond her years. Yeah, I love that. Caroline, when you're opening up to me, what do you are you looking for advice? What do you like? What are teenagers when they're opening up to their parents? If they're opening up, um, what do they want out of it? I know for me. At least I just want somebody to listen Mm -hmm. and I don't need you to fix my situations. Like what you were saying, I need to learn how to do that myself. I just want somebody who's going to be on my side and somebody I can know is there for me whenever I need to talk. Mm. And of course you can tell me when I'm wrong or if I'm in the wrong I'm not going to like it, but sometimes I need to hear everybody needs that friend who's not just going to tell you you're always right. Is there a way, Caroline, that would help you to hear that more easily? Like, hey, have you considered this? Or you know what I mean? Where it doesn't feel as much like I'm telling you that you're doing the wrong thing. If you're listening to what I'm saying, maybe not right away. Be like, oh, you need to do something different because then I feel like you're not listening to me and you're not supporting me at first. I just want you to listen, maybe like a day after or like a a week after you can come to me and say, Hey, in this situation, maybe you could do this and it could make the situation a little bit better. But if right away after I've opened up to you, you're just kind of telling me what I should be doing better then I'm not going to open up to you because then I don't feel like you're on my side. I just feel like you're lecturing me. Yeah, that's good to hear that I need to listen better. I read something, Sissy, about a year ago that I felt 
really changed the relationship I had with my kids and then just ask it because I am a fixer. I want to fix their, I, I want to help them. I want to fix it for them, but I'm realizing I can't do that. And so I was reading in this article um, and it gave you some suggested questions for your, for your child, your teenager, your tween and ask them, how can I best support you right now? So when she, that's, I ask mm. you that almost all the time, not just in a crisis sitting on the couch. Hey, how can I best support you this week? Or how can I best support you today? It's yeah, hard for me because I want to fix it, but asking that question gets them to open up. You do say that a lot. And I'm very thankful that you ask me that because sometimes even if I'm not going through something, it'll make me reflect on what I actually do need. Yeah. If And sometimes it's things I don't even think I need. Okay. So we have a lot of, to- we're going to talk about clothing and, and phones and hormones and big feelings and <laughs> self-esteem. Um, this one is from Ray. How do you know when to guide them versus letting them figure it out on their own? Sissy. I mean, I think what we're just talking about, I would, before starting to guide them as adolescents, I would always ask questions. What do you think is the right thing? What do you want to do? What's your heart telling you? Because I think when we jump in without asking, we're basically communicating without the words, you need me. You're not smart enough to figure this out on your own and you need me to do it for you. That is never the message apparently to intend to communicate, but that's what comes across. And, and I would, I mean, I believe we're in a crisis of resilience (laughs) with kids. I think we're honestly in a crisis of resilience. And I think part of the mental health crisis with youth is a crisis of resilience because kids are not learning that they're capable. They're not having to do hard things. They're not learning these really important, not only skills, but truths about who they are. And so I think Mm. the more we can widen the guide rails and ask questions and give them opportunity, I think the more resilience they're going to develop and the better their mental health is going to be. I have a quick anecdote. So Caroline, do you mind if I divulge what happened over the summer with your car and police officer? Oh yeah. I don't care. That story is really funny. In South Carolina, you can start driving at 15. At 15 and a half, you can drive with a restricted license. She calls me. She was on her way to youth group crying. She'd gotten pulled over. Um, got a ticket by a state trooper. Oh, so I thought, okay, this could be a really good learning experience for her. She's got to know consequences. um, But I also want her to know how to advocate for herself within it. So I said, we're going to, we're going to take the court date. We're not going to contest the fine, but what we're going to do is I, I want you to come up with a way to tell the officer or the judge, whoever you have to appear in front of that, you know, I'm sorry, this has made me a better driver. I'll accept the fine, but could you take the points off my license? Cause I'm just starting to drive. I felt like I prepared her for that moment. And we go to the courthouse and Caroline, do you want to tell sissy what happened uh, in front of the police officer? Hard. It was the police officer there that it was the, the state. Trooper it was the police over. officer. So we, he called us into this room in the back of the courthouse We sat down to talk and I did everything mom told me to do, apologize, told him that it would make me a better driver. At the end, he told me I couldn't get the points taken off my license, but he could reduce the fine. And mom made me pay that fine, which fair consequence. I think it was a good learning experience for me because I was terrified. Like (laughs) when we were sitting in the waiting room, I was like shaking. I was just thinking, oh my gosh, like 
I don't even know I was scared because I had already gotten in trouble, but that's intimidating though to go it meet is intimidating. with this. Yes. It was a state trooper. And it was funny. Some girls from my school saw me get pulled over and they texted me afterwards. It's just funny experience. But I wanted you <laughs> to learn how to be resilient. And I wanted you, were you not confident after that and knowing like I can, I can do hard things. It did make can... me a little more confident. That's so, awesome. Anyway. Um, I love that. It made her a safer driver, by the way. And she wasn't going 54. Uh, the reason he couldn't, he's like, I already did drop your points from six <laughs> to two. You were going 70 in a 45. Oh, That's God, when I'm just a teenage girl. You can't blame me. Like, I'm just a girl. I'm just a girl. Oh. Okay. No question oh. from Lynn. She just says, send help. I have two. Okay. Let's mm. talk a little bit about clothing. And by the way, cover your shoulder as we talk about this, Caroline. Um, <laughs> Two questions, um, one from Natwari, one from Rita. How do you keep them dressing a bit more modestly than their peers? And should we restrict what they wear, sissy? Uh, this, is a, this is a tough one because I have my, I have my. Okay, Caroline, you go first. I want to hear your two cents. I think that for me, a lot of what's made me more confident is the fact that I'm dressing in ways that make me feel confident. I know I just said that it makes me more confident, but, and finding my style was such a big part of maturing and learning to, I mean, be myself and not be afraid of what people think. Mom, you've done a good job of like not restricting what I wear, but I know if I wear something that like my shorts are a little too short or like you can see my stomach a lot, like in my shirt, like you do a good job of telling me that not that I'm a bad person for wearing that, but maybe it's not appropriate for like the event. You don't really restrict what I wear. And I'm very, very glad you do that. You, because it's mainly your dad though. Yeah. Your dad's and the one. It's dad just does. He doesn't really restrict what I wear. He'll just make little comments. It was okay, something is, about, is, like, is there more? Yeah, to your it's outfit? like, I was wearing a shirt like this and he was like, <laughs> It's a little cold out. You might want to cover your shoulder or he'll yeah. say stuff like that. Or is there more to it? Was there more to your outfit? I think you forgot part of it. Yeah. Or like, <laughs> did you buy those jeans for half off? <laughs> I hate that one. I hate that one. I mean, honestly, I think that's probably great though, that he's not being as intense about it, that he's mm -hmm. having a sense of humor, which is breezy yeah. um, with you pointing out something that's a concern of his without saying, go back and change. You know, I mean, he's just bringing it to your attention. So I, I think that's a great tactic. And it's harder. I mean, with everything with adolescents, we're going to have narrower guide rails when they're younger and then we're going to widen them. And so, yeah, I love that, Paula, you're not restricting Caroline right now. And and that, Caroline, you feel trusted to make wise decisions yourself. Mm -hmm. And and I think so much of it, like you said, is finding your style. And my sister that I was talking about earlier, she has a clothing store in Nashville. And so I'll send, and she's really cool and dresses adorably. And so I'll send moms and daughters to Kathleen to have another voice who can help <laughs> with like, That's let's smart. help you find your style of, of what is appropriate for different events. Yeah. I think really anytime with adolescents, we can bring in different voices. It's really helpful because That's I mean, it's why I think therapy works because mm -hmm. I'm saying the same thing parents are saying, I'm just a new voice. And so sometimes they can hear me a little bit louder. Yeah. One of my best friends, Jeannie Cunyon, uh, she's an author. She's 
incredible. The she best. Has five, she has five boys. She's been super influential in Caroline's life, and Caroline can trust her. And I know I can trust Jeannie because she can speak life and tell Caroline things that I could tell Caroline the same thing and she'd ignore it. But Jeannie can tell her because Caroline trusts Jeannie and she respects right. her and respects the relationship. But I think it's so important to have those adults, whether that's a 20 something, you know, a young yes. adult or a friend in, in your kid's life that they can trust. And you know that they're not going to usurp your authority, that they're still going to be an extension of it. Caroline loves Jeannie and she would confide in her about me too. Just about everything. So being intentional about that. Yes, okay, I love advice. that. Uh, the phone. We kind of answered this a little bit, just of how the self-absorption and narcissism comes out with the phone. But Lawrence and Haza, well, Haza says, how do we handle that they're so attached to their phones? It's making them dumb. Caroline, I'm sure you're going to have hates my phone. She hates it. <laughs> and when do you give them a phone? Yeah. My phone, JJ's phone, Landon's iPad. Landon's not old enough to have a phone. I yet. would smash them with a hammer if I could. She'd run them over with her car. Oh, that would be <laughs> so <laughs> therapeutic. So satisfying. <laughs> I That's so good. hate the phone. It's, they're so distracted mm. all the time. I do get that. I, I know what you mean. And I think it's hard for you to understand because you didn't grow up with a phone and well, it's different, different for you to have your phone than for me to have my <laughs> yeah. phone because yeah. especially when you're a teenager, your friendships and your social life are like the most important thing. And for you, that's not the case. And you didn't start having phones until what, your late, your 20s? Are you what? talking about, uh, we had phones, but they were attached to the wall and yeah, you had like, like a 50 foot cord. A long curly like, cord. <laughs> I didn't even have um, a cell phone. What I graduated college in 97. I think I didn't have till 2000. So I'd been out of college a couple of years. Being a teenager now is a lot different than being a teenager when you were a teenager in what? Like 1800 years ago. <sighs> Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But no. And so much of our social lives is attached to our phone, which mm -hmm. is why it's hard to get away from it because our friends are on our phone. The people we're interested in, like romantically, are on our phones. It's our main source of communication when we're not with people. Texting people or calling your friends or playing games with your friends. It's so important to our friendships these days. I understand if it's hard for you to get that. But, but I think too, like this generation, there's so much research around mental health. Girls these days, especially teenagers, have the highest levels of agency and anxiety. And so much of it is due to their phones because they're you're always engaged. Um, social media, you're seeing somebody's highlight reel. So, Sissy, that's where I ask you, how do we have these healthy boundaries? Because, yes, I don't want to cut her off from her friends, but I also know that she's kind of holding a ticking time bomb. I think there again, we want to think about time. Well, when they get their devices, when they get different yeah. platforms that they can use and also the time we allow, which we want to give them more and more time as they get closer and closer to moving out of our houses. Mm -hmm. And I think... I do think it's important to have something installed on phones that's going to alert you if any words come up that are concerning. I don't mean curse words. I mean, like, 
suicides, mm-hmm. anything like that. Um, I love Bark. I love Teen Safe. Those are two great resources. We'll link to those. Will you send me those links so I can put them in the show notes too? Sure. Yes, okay. absolutely. And and I think having a lot of conversations along the way. How is this affecting you? Before you give them your first phone, okay, tell me what's going to happen when somebody texts you something inappropriate or something mean. How are you going to respond? Let's think about that ahead of time, which they're not going to want to have any of those conversations. But I think it's important to have when they get on social media. Okay, when you're on Snapchat and you see everybody in a bubble that's together and you didn't know all your friends were together in the same location and now you see it. How are you going to handle it? Because to snap them back that you're mad at them is not going to work. That's not a great response. So let's talk about all those things. Just to have conversations is one of the best equipping tools I think we can give them. But I heard that part of the question was when, and Caroline, I hope, I feel like you and I are becoming friends. I hope I don't lose you with this technology part of it. But um, but here's what I usually say to parents, that you don't want to be the first to let your kids have every technological advancement because you don't want your kids to be known as fast. That's not really a word we use anymore, but Mm -hmm. are cutting edge. So you don't want to be the first because the cutting edge gets scarier. Also, you don't want to be the last to let them have everything because they're going to sneak their way to it or they're not going to learn to use it responsibly, which is part of our job is for them to learn to use it under our roofs Mm -hmm. where we can help them figure it out. But I will say to parents, be the next to last. (laughs) I mean, really listen in on conversations with other parents, your kids are going to say, I'm the only one who doesn't have something along the way. But really, if it feels like, okay, really, I think almost everybody in their class now has an email account or now is on whatever it is, social media wise, then at that point, I do think it's important to consider because as Caroline said, I mean, so much of their social lives happen Mm -hmm. that way. And I always have parents who say, we're just going to not do it. Like, we're just going to stay away from social media. And Caroline, you'll love this. But I was teaching a parenting seminar on technology, which I hate talking about because everyone, every parent just looks panicked the whole time. And I got to the end of the time and I was trying to be super gracious, like, let's let the rope out gradually and give them more privileges as they earn it and then pull it back in if they mess up as they're going to when they're figuring all this out. It's so hard to figure out and navigate for them. And this man in the back of the room, I could tell him I was making him matter and matter the longer I talked. And they had a Q and a time and his hand shot up and I should have known I was in trouble when they went to the, to him with the microphone and he stood up and he said, let me just say, I've raised five kids and technology is not a child's God given right. And he said, when my son, when we were driving my son to his high school graduation was the first time I let him send a photo from his phone and the first time I let him get on the Internet on his phone. And then he screamed, if your child is on the Internet, go home and shut it down. And I think he thought we didn't hear him. So he screamed it, literally screamed it three more times. It was a Sunday school class and I didn't even know what to do. So I was like, yeah, let me pray for us. And I just <laughs> sent him out. But I mean, I thought that poor kid had zero yeah. freedom. May of his senior year. Can you imagine what he got into in August sitting in his dorm room? What? 100,000% not the first time that kid used the internet. You know, <laughs> right? I've seen this with a lot of my friends, the stricter their parents are the sneakier they are, the better they learn how to lie. And if you're being so strict with your kids and if you're putting something so off limits, 
it just makes them want to do it more mm. because like when somebody's holding something from you that you want, it just makes you want it even more yeah. and you're going to find, you're going to do everything you can to try and find it. But if it's given to you, then you'll learn how to use it safely. And I mean, I know for me, I'm starting to get like sick of social media stuff because I'm realizing that the more I use it, it's just mindlessly scrolling. I feel like the first like, wow, like, oh my gosh, I have social media. Like the, the shiny effect is worn off and I don't really need it as much. I think for kids who don't have it, like they just see it as, oh, this is something I need. Like I want this so bad because everybody else has it and it's just this awesome thing, Mm -hmm. but they don't really know how it is. So it's hard for parents though, because we know that there's so many reports that social media is linked to anxiety. So why would we give our kid a ticking time bomb? Why would we give them something that's going to harm them? And look, there's a huge debate about this. I know for our family, no phones in the bedroom at night, like they have to charge them outside of the room. That's a great Caroline knows and JJ knows. And they're good about that too. Like it's our phone still. Don't we? I know you hate it when we say I that. I hate when you say We're, that. I know, but it's true. It's not your phone. I know phone. it's true. It doesn't We're paying like for it. it. And at any point, I can look through your phone. If I don't know your passcode, I can look through your phone and check it. And if there's something inappropriate, but you're you're good. You're you're a good kid. I mean, you might be sneaking and I don't know. And you're obviously smarter than I am. But I will go on and I'll check her snaps and I'll check her text messages. And she knows that that's just part of it. That's part of having a phone in our house, you have to be ready for mom and dad to look at it at any given moment. So there's a little bit of that accountability, but we give them some freedom too, but it's just scary. It is scary. Dating. Oh, this is a fun one because Caroline just started dating a little bit. Um, Ellen and Vivian and Becky and Beth (laughs) have so many questions. Yeah. Oh, Caroline, I was cringing for you. That one, Paula. (laughs) What? That's past news. <laughs> okay, well, but you're in the season of dating. You're 16. Ellen <laughs> talks about her teen's world revolves around her boyfriend. How do I get mm. her to see the importance of being independent? Vivian wants to know if your teen's dating. Do you bring up birth control or wait for them to? Becky wants to know what rules do you have for dating? And Beth wants to know teaching about self-worth, self-respect, and responsibility relating to dating and sex. So I'm just going to give you that hot potato. <laughs> that one, sissy. Oh, Caroline, I want you to weigh in on this one too. I think it's like, it's the same thing with phones where if you restrict it, it just makes you want it more. Like when somebody's holding something from you, you're going to do everything you can to get it. Cause I know kids in my grade whose parents won't let them date, but they're dating people in secret. I mean, you know. Well, the statement you said was brilliant about the stricter you are, the sneakier kids are. I think that's really I've seen that in so many ways. Like, Kids my age, when we were younger, older kids, mm-hmm. everybody. We have Life 360, which we can see yeah. Caroline at all times. I said, and my parents were so strict growing up. What did I tell you? If my parents had that growing up, I'd be in so much trouble because they'd see I was out making out with my high school boyfriend all the time. <laughs> because my parents were super strict when it came, super strict when it came to dating. Go ahead, Sissy, though. Yeah. Well, and I mean, I think to your point, Caroline, I can think of these sisters that I counseled who their parents didn't allow them to date in high school. And, and they, I don't think either one of them snuck and did it, but what they did was dating and marriage became the like 
apex of everything they wanted for their entire life. Boys mm-hmm. took on this level of importance that was concerning to me. It was like, wasn't like they were becoming their own people. And yeah. so I, I think you run the risk of both things. I love what you said. And I think it's the same idea. Everything we're talking about with adolescents, let the rope out gradually. And when they mess up, pull it back in. And I think dating is the same. One rule that I know a parent who had that I thought was great was you are more than welcome to go on a date with your boyfriend one night a weekend. And the other night is is reserved for friends. And so mm-hmm. that way it kind of kept her in check. Because I do worry about girls who whole, their whole world becomes their boyfriends. Because I don't know the statistics on high school dating that end up in marriage, but I don't think it's super high. Yeah. <laughs> so you don't want her whole high school life or yeah. his whole high school life to mm-hmm. become that. So that feels like a good balance to say, you know, as a parent, I want you to honor your friendships and that's what's going to matter in the long run. So we're going to do both things. And that doesn't feel too restrictive at all to me. But, but I do think there's definitely a forbidden fruit phenomenon that's concerning. And in terms of sex and birth control, I mean, I think conversations are really important with kids in all the things related to this. And, and I see a lot of parents who panic and do a lot more lecturing than listening. Mm -hmm. And what I try to recommend to parents is a lot of times you take yourself out of the conversation. Yeah. Like they don't feel like they can talk to you because they just think it's going to come with a lecture. And so I think as much as we can have open dialogue with them and then back to your brilliant point earlier, other voices in their lives who are speaking the same values we want the kids we love to have, whether it's Youth group leaders or coach or coaches or teachers or other people that can talk about those things, mm-hmm. I think is really important. And if we can get a group of kids who are journeying together, I cannot count the amount of times in counseling I have said to girls, tell me what it is you like about this guy. I have some <laughs> concerns about him and I'll put her in a group counseling session and some girl will say, he is such a jerk. Why are you still with him? And wow, she will say that never occurred to me before. And I've been telling her that for months in counseling, but mm. it's because it's a peer, their voices are so much louder often than ours as adults. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Caroline and Caroline, we have it like she's never been super boy crazy. Again, she's been real mature. And, and also I think she understands like my husband's very open with her about what guys want. It doesn't matter where they come from. They all want the same thing. And he's tried to instill a lot of self-esteem and worth in her. And she gets almost all of that from her father. But she also knows like, look, we also have certain standards. If he wants to date you, he's got to come meet us, ask us for permission, spend time with our family too. Otherwise, he's not worth it because our family is real tight, really tight knit. And it might be embarrassing for you, but those are our standards as parents. Like they've got to come over and ask permission. I'm sorry, he's not going to honk the horn. And no, he can come up to the door, knock on the door, be respectful, be on time. And like, those are things that you should, you should know that you're worth it, Caroline. That's what we we tell you, but she just had an experience like first, first boyfriend. I don't know how we didn't date. We did not date. Uh, Okay. How how did we handle it though? Dad did not handle it. Well, dad did not handle it. Well, Oh, he was so unhealthy. Going back to what you were saying earlier, where the girls whose parents restrict them and then boys just become their whole life. I think me seeing that happen with so many people 
so many girls I know. I could I could list you at least yeah. 10 girls in my grade who've cut off all their friends for their boyfriend. Yes. And in my mind, I'm thinking, what happens when y'all break up? Because it's going to happen. You're going to be stuck with no friends because you cut off everybody for your boyfriend. And they don't hang out with their friends. They're always with their boyfriend. And I'm thinking, do you not have a life outside of your boyfriend? They make their boyfriend their entire personality. And I can't stand that. Please be your own person. Mm. Okay, that just makes me think, Caroline, you're saying so many good things. I think that we need to recommend that moms and daughters listen to this podcast together. Don't y'all think? Yeah. I mean, Absolutely. I want girls yes. to hear what you're saying. Yeah, she she really... I, I've always felt like she's the more mature one in the relationship. She's always been like an old soul. I think that is why she and I kind of butt heads is we're both very determined, but she's always been, she's always been like pretty confident and she gets that with, from her dad. I'll be honest. Like he really just, I think it's the, the father daughter relationship. And if you don't have a dad in your life, just having strong men in your life, speaking yes. into your daughter to let them know what their true worth is. I credit my husband for most of who she is. All the good parts I'll take, but um, <laughs> I'm, I'm joking, honey, but she really, she does have her head on her shoulders when it comes to dating. I think the fact that you're not restricting it, you've never told me like, oh, you can't date until you're 16. It's made me realize that I don't need it. It's made me focus on other things. Like I'm investing my time into my friends and my schoolwork and making myself a better person, which I think is so important because so many guys this age are just immature. Boys are just too much drama right now. And yeah. yeah. She has two little brothers too. So she sees them. And it's like like, nothing's going to surprise her. And it's like this with everything, because if you give me the chance to do these things or like get a glimpse into it, and if you let me make my own mistakes, then I can learn from those and realize my values and not just base my entire personality off of what you want me to be. Hmm. Yeah. Which I think is what you were saying about becoming my own person. Mm -hmm. So that's smart. That's good. Sissy, you kind of talked about this. A lot of questions, probably the most questions were about hormones and feelings and attitudes. Mm. Like, how do you deal with the attitude changes and then the disrespect? What's the best way to handle the roller coaster of emotions? How much space time do you give them during mood swings, especially if they're disrespectful? Um, I wasn't prepared for it. They started age nine and nine years old. And how can we help with the big feelings like the mood swings? I mean, sometimes Caroline, and you're a great kid, but I look at you and I'm like, you're possessed right now. I do not know what's happened to you. I don't know how to handle it. And I feel like if I just, if if I respond to it, it's just going to make it worse. So I don't know how to handle those either. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Help. It is such a significant thing for girls. It's interesting because I've done a lot of work because I've written some books about anxiety in the last few years mm-hmm. and for girls and for parents of girls and for parents about themselves. But <laughs> but one of the things that happens is the average age of onset is around eight or nine or seven or eight. And then it peaks again with puberty because I think the hormones make them more anxious. And I read this other fascinating study years ago about how 
somewhere around nine, 10 or 11, when the hormones are surging, that what happens is their brain growth accelerates in this way. It hasn't in the last few years, it's kind of had this darker period before this. And so it's literally creating all these new neural pathways. And when it does their brains, it's too much happening in their brain. And so it's like electricity that short circuits. And when it does, it affects their memory, which is fascinating. I never knew that before and their confidence, memory and confidence. And so I will say to parents, it's like you will go to pick your kids up from school and watch her hug six friends on the way out of school. Love you. Thanks for inviting me over. Bye. She gets in the car and shuts the door and starts sobbing and says, I have no friends. You're like, wait, what did you just see? What just I mean, it just makes no sense. Or you'll put her to bed and have had this really sweet night together. And all of a sudden she says, why did you wear that to parent teacher conferences? You embarrassed me so bad. She'll just flip into this insecure place. That's a result of the hormones. And so I do think there are all these emotions that feel ridiculous and crazy. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, I think we want to pay attention to often there's a lot of insecurity underneath. There may be some anxiety underneath. And so I don't think for us to engage in that moment is helpful. And when when she has flipped into a really big emotional space, I'm going to get a little sciencey for a second. Part of what's happening is the amygdala is the region of her brain that's taken over, which is the fight or flight part of her brain. Mm-hmm. The amygdala is larger in adolescence because the more often the amygdala is activated, it actually enlarges and develops a hair trigger response. And And I think there's something that happens where... In a household, when one amygdala gets flipped, everybody else's does too. And so all of a sudden, when our amygdala gets tripped, the blood flow leaves the prefrontal cortex, which helps us think rationally and manage our emotions. And so when parents say they're like a crazy person when they get to that place, right, because the thinking part of their brain isn't even online, right? Okay. And so if we're all functioning out of the amygdala, for us to try and give a consequence, for us to have a conversation, nothing works. So I want parents, I want kids to have a code word that you can say to each other when you can tell the emotions are ramping up. That basically means we're going to pause right now. Whatever the word is, watermelon, come up with something silly together that might even make you laugh. So we're going to pause till everybody gets back into their thinking brain. We're going to go do some coping strategies like breathing and grounding techniques and stuff like that. Come back and have a conversation after we've calmed down. So, I mean, that is one of the most commonly used strategies that I recommend in counseling all the time. So good. But, but I think to expect it and and also to know if we gave them a consequence every time they were disrespectful, they'd never come out of the room. And so choosing battles with adolescents is really important. Yeah, that's great advice. Caroline, you just went like this. <laughs> uh, yeah, the thing she said about if every time we get into a fight you give me a consequence. I'm never going to want to spend time with you. You're and right. I think that's how it is for a lot of girls my age. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Goes back to what I was saying about when we were opening up, if it just turns into a lecture that I'm not going to want to open up. Yeah. Yep. The same type that. of thing, mm-hmm. you know? And what's hard about it is I think anxiety, it's why I wrote, one of the reasons I wrote the book for parents about anxiety is anxiety makes us micromanage. And so we tend to lock down that much more and then get in these back and forths and, I always recommend to parents to pick the bottom 20% of what you're arguing about and let it go. Just stop talking about the bottom 20%. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now pick your battles. That's good advice. Two questions and then we're done. One about friendship. 
uh, Lisa and Jennifer have questions about friendship, when to push them to work through tough spots with their friendships and when to trust their instincts to let a friendship go. That's a Caroline, do you want to answer any yeah, of that? Yeah, I'd love to like hear your how... thoughts. I think a lot of people my age, you go through different friendships, you have fights with your friends, you lose friends. It's just a part of being an, being a high school teenage girl. And I think sometimes, depending on how close you were with that friend, like if it's your best friend, mm-hmm. you normally want to try and work that out. But if it's a friend who's you're maybe not as close with, sometimes you just got to let a friend go. And I mean, it really all depends on the situation, who it's with, what's happening, because every situation is different. I know for me, if I have a friend who I'm always fighting with, and if that's all I'm thinking about, sometimes you just got to let that friend go because they're negatively affecting your mental health. And you don't want to have friends who drag you down. Even if you guys have been friends for a long time, if they're affecting your life in a negative way, they got to go. I mean, it sucks to hear that, but you have to surround yourself with people who make you feel good about yourself. And if you have friends who are constantly dragging you down, they're not really your friends. Yeah. How do we best listen and guide our kid in that situation? Uh, Caroline, I love your thoughts on that because I do, I think it goes both ways. I mean, I, I definitely think there are a lot of girls who tolerate terrible friends for way too long and don't have a sense of you're not even kind to me. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I, I think with girls, I mean, two things. One is I love to talk about strength and kindness, how teaching girls, even from young ages, to have strength and kindness at the same time. So like for a little girl that would look like, I want to be your friend, but not when you treat me like that. Yeah. For your age, Carolina, might look like, hey, you know what? Our friendship has been really important to me, but if things don't change, I, I don't know that we can keep moving forward. But I think we often don't think we can be both. I think as adults, I don't think a lot of us as women learned how to to do both things mm-hmm. at the same time. And mm-hmm. that would be one. And the other is we wrote a book years ago called Are My Kids on Track? And as I was doing research for the my section on girls and boundaries, I asked girls of all ages through like a couple of weeks of counseling, how many of them knew healthy conflict resolution strategies? Oh, God. Do you know how many girls said yes? Mm. None. Zero. Yeah. Because, and and that's partly on us. We're not modeling it, but, but I think that's one thing I would say to Caroline is I don't want, I do want girls to back out of friendships that aren't healthy. And like you said, I think girls are tolerating too much. And at the same time, I don't want someone who's afraid to learn to work through a relationship that is important that's right? because they don't know how. And yeah. so Teaching healthy conflict resolution strategies. We have a blueprint for that in Are My Kids on Track, but you could even Google online. There's another one called VOMP that I really like that just basically helps me take ownership of my stuff and asks you to take ownership of your stuff. And we Mm -hmm. see that relationships are a two-way street. I mean, goodness, how many, how, how much would that help her marriage someday, her sure. workplace relationships, her friendships? Like I wish somebody taught me that at 13 or 17 or 25. Mm-hmm. Now I feel like I'm still learning to have conflict yeah. in healthy ways. That's great advice, Sissy. Last question. Uh, Michelle wants to know, how can you help them maintain the faith that they were raised in with their family? Mm. <laughs> Caroline, do you have an answer to that? 
This is a hard one because I think it's just something you have to let kids learn on their own. You can't force something on your kids because then they're going to think of it as, oh, this is just something I have to do. Especially like with my relationship with God. A lot of times when I was younger, we would go to church and I wouldn't like really understand what was going on. I just think, oh, this is something I have to do every Sunday. Ugh, I got to wake up early, go to church, just be bored for like an hour and a half. But I think the older I've got, it's something I've learned more and I've valued my relationship with God more. And it's, I'm surrounding myself with friends who value their relationship with God too, which is so important because if you're surrounding yourself with people who are on a bad track, then you're going to be put on a bad track. Mm. So yeah, it's just kind of something you can't force it down your kid's throat. Just got to let them learn. Have we been a good example or a bad example? Like I, because I hope that you see in our relationship, your dad's in my relationship, how foundational it is. Uh, for our family, the choices that we make in our jobs and our life and our friendships. I mean, do you see that at all and how it influences the decisions we make? Yeah, I do see it a lot. And when y'all are working through issues or just anything day to day, you always put God at the center of that. And that's been so important for me to see because a lot of other parents, they don't do that or they don't show their kids that they do that. And we just don't know what's going on. So, yeah, we're not perfect though, but we try to invite the kids into the conversation. Like the reason we're doing this is we feel that God has called us to do this as a family. And this is what we believe and why we believe. But I do think it's important. I grew up in a very fundamental, strict home. I didn't really believe it and it didn't become my faith until I really put it to the test, Sissy. And so like reading, like challenging myself, um, having challenging conversations, but really digging into, okay, why is it that I believe what I believe is just because my parents taught me this or do I have an answer for the hope that is within me? And Mm. I hope, I mean, you know, there's a scripture verse where I have no greater joy than to see my kids are walking in the truth. And that's really the case for my husband and I like that. That is the greatest joy of our lives. I don't know. Like, I can't imagine if our kids eventually turned their back on our faith. I don't know how if we're doing it right. <laughs> you know, I, I would love some guidance from you on how mm. we can properly do this. Well, I love what you both just said. And I think I think we can do a lot of teaching, a lot of family time together around faith as they're growing up. We just lead them Mm -hmm. a lot more easily and and our influence is so strong when they're little. And and then I think as they become adolescents, it does have to become their own. Your parents' faith is not going to carry you into adulthood. It's got to become your own faith. And so giving them opportunities to grow that. I mean, I know families who have said you, for adolescence, I mean, either way, either you're going to go to church every Sunday and you can pick one faith-based activity per week. You get to pick what it is. Or I even know parents of seniors who will say, we really want you to go to church. You get to pick which church where there's some control and some latitude they have within the space of some boundaries. But I also think 
I, I see a lot of families who say by junior and senior year, we don't make our kids go to church anymore or mm-hmm. synagogue or whatever it is. And so knowing that they need more and more control to figure it out and having conversations, I think the most common mistake I see parents make is panicking and again, doing a lot of lecturing, which like we were talking about before, yeah. pulls us out of the conversation totally. instead to say things like, I hear that you're questioning right now your faith. What do you think's what do you think's underneath that? Why are you questioning? What's hard for you to understand? And then we don't react with what we think that yeah. we sit with it and we say, that's, that's a really interesting thought. Mm-hmm. And I feel confident you're going to find what you're looking for, mm-hmm. because I think if Good we're advice. really trusting in our faith, we're trusting in God, not in them. Mm-hmm. That's true. And so I think when we panic, we shut down the conversations. And so to have those thoughtful, deep conversations, to give them room to figure it out, is really important. And then like Caroline said, I think the last thing I would say is we want them to have groups of kids where they can explore their faith together, where they're talking, they're learning together, they're experiencing, you know, I think kids learn so much by experience. And so Mm. mission trips and camps and different places where they're away from us and learning and growing together is so important. That's really, really, really good advice. Prioritizing that. Sissy, thank you. You are a a gift and a treasure and you are doing just some of the most important work. You really are. We're going to link to all all of your assets, everything that you're doing in the show notes. But I just want to say thank you for... I've learned so much. I'm going to listen to this over and over and over and over until it goes through my thick skull. But thank you for spending time with Caroline. And I, Caroline, oh, do you want to say anything? Oh, thank sorry. you so much. This was a really great conversation. I think talking about these things also helps me reinforce my own values. So it's very good for me. She's going to run for president one day. I believe it. Well, y'all, it was a privilege to get to sit and talk with you and hear more about your story and your relationship. And I think you're both amazing. And Thank and you. I think y'all are going to be best friends. It's well, just going to maybe take a minute. Right. Not now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you for that, Sissy. I hope that that conversation provided a lot of insight for you. Those were great questions, by the way. Thank you for sending those questions my way. Some things that I really took away, our kids want us to listen. They don't really need us to fix things, which is hard for us if we are fixers. Their social lives are so connected to their phones. And yes, it's super annoying, but it it just helped me to understand why they're so connected to their phones. And as Sissy Goff said, when it comes to technology, social media, phone screens, you don't want to be the first, but you don't want to be the last. And speaking of that conversation, it is a huge topic of conversation, the whole social media conversation. And that's what we're going to talk about next week. I know it's a huge pain in the butt for us as parents to navigate that. And I posted something recently on Instagram about Florida's proposed ban of social media for any kids that are under the age of 16. And that post just exploded. So many of you have such deep opinions and views about it. So I'm going to bring an expert on to talk about what that proposed ban in Florida could mean for the rest of us. We're going to look at how we can navigate this tricky topic and really painful topic of social media and screens uh, next week as we talk about it. And again, this is a conversation started by you guys. So I just want to extend those conversations and keep having the conversations that you are talking about because that's what this show's all about. Let's talk about it. All right, y'all. It was great. 
Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. And I'll see you next week as we talk about it. I know, I know you guys thought you were done with me, but not quite yet. I have one more thing to tell you about. If you're watching on YouTube or you're listening on your favorite podcast platform, don't forget to subscribe to the show. I don't want you to miss a single beat or a single conversation. And remember, my DMs are always open. Tell me what you want to talk about.